This paid podcast is a partnership between Slate Studios and Century 21 Real Estate. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast. From Century 21, this is The Relentless, a podcast about looking at sales differently. As entrepreneurs, we need to constantly evolve, refresh our approach, and these days, that means prioritizing the customer. Because sales is about so much more than transactions. It's about elevating experiences. I'm Kristen Meinzer. I'm an author, entrepreneur, and podcast host. And no matter what job I've had, I've always used my voice to help people. I learned early on that treating people like they matter isn't just the right thing to do. It also makes for good business and great relationships. And that's what this season is all about. We're talking to the visionaries reinventing hospitality and the pioneers who figured out how to create celebrations that don't feel like work. Because The Relentless is about more than the clothes. It's about opening our minds to new possibilities and crushing mediocrity every step of the way. It's time to dream big, embrace change, and stay relentless. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Relentless. I am so excited for today's show. We are shining a light on something in the sales toolbox we often overlook, mastering the art of the thoughtful gesture. And both my guests today have special insight into how to make customers feel happy, supported, and valued. A little later, we'll meet a small business owner who's found creative ways to connect with his community. But first up, an entrepreneur who has been helping people to connect offline, even during the pandemic. Because we've been pulled apart physically, we've been looking for ways to connect in a semi-physical way, and that's what writing does. That's Tamor Adegechi. Tamor was born in London into a British-Iranian family of antique stealers. His last name actually means antique stealer. And that's how Tamor got his start, selling antiques in London's Portobello Road market as a teenager. But after going to Cambridge University to study art history, he wanted to start his own company. He decided to focus on one industry he felt absolutely passionate about, stationery. Yes, stationery. Paper, notes, cards, envelopes. His company is called Papier. So French, so fancy. Sending someone a handwritten note is basically the way to let them know you're thinking about them. And with Papier, Tamor has tapped into that desire for tangible connection. Hello, Tamor. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for having me. Do you see behind me this little Christmas tree here? <laughs> yes, I can. Can you see all the cards leaning up against it? I don't know if you can see Absolutely. the little, the yep, little I can. note cards. So stationery means a great deal to me, and I love receiving handwritten cards from people I love. And, you know, those cards you see back there are not just Christmas cards. They're Valentine's Day cards. Uh, One of them is just a card from a friend who said I was thinking about you. So I personally feel that sending a note can be so meaningful. And I'm curious, uh, did you grow up feeling the same way, or was there something that kind of uh, tipped you off at a certain point where you're like, oh, this— this is something that really touches my heart in a way that I didn't realize. Yeah, no, I think it's always been something that's natural. I actually think it's something that's relatively innate in us as as humans. I think the the magic that happens when you receive 
a handwritten note is something that everyone always remembers and always uh, uh, keeps with them. And it's why we it's why we cherish those notes. And in turn, therefore, it's always something you want to give and you want to write and give someone else that magic and know that, you know, you won't be there, but you know that when they open that note, they'll feel something special. And do you personally write a lot of thank you notes or invitations or handwritten letters to friends and family or do you just receive them? Yeah, I, I write uh, I write a lot of notes. I always use physical invitations. I think, you know, that there is there is that magic in physical paper and hence why our brand is papier, which which is, which is obviously the French for paper. And so I write a lot of notes. I, as a result, receive a lot of notes back. I think people think I should probably write back and not just send a text message. So in my own small way, I'm, I'm propagating that kind of analog revolution. Now, the thing is, though, we tend to, I do, I know a lot of people tend to think of millennials and Gen Z people as wanting to do everything on their phones. You know, they use a chat app or they text each other. And even email feels weirdly formal to a lot of people who are millennial and Gen Z. But your business is based on the idea that younger people actually want to write on paper. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is? And when did you have the brainwave that, you know, this isn't just about your love of paper, it's that this whole generation actually loves this. Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't predict that this revolution in analog means of communication and writing and paper would happen and would be something that's adopted not just by millennials, but but Gen Z. You can see some of the equivalents in things like e-readers. And what's fascinating, for example, is e-reader revenues are forecast to decline from 4 billion to 2 billion in the next two years. I mean, that kind of steep decline in a digital form of communication or or digital means is is unprecedented. And the reason for that is Gen Z are not adopting it. They're not, they want the the physical paperbacks. And the same is happening when it comes to notebooks as well, which is you know, these are all highly, and I count myself as someone who's technically and technologically very literate. I use my smartphone the whole time and I use the calendar app on it. But actually, it's because of this digital overdose almost that you need an antidote for that. And so in some respects, analog is the antidote for that. And I think younger generations are finding that release and that ability to, to kind of practice mindfulness and to reconnect with themselves and to slow pace down through analog means of writing and communicating. Now, one thing I find really interesting about this whole business of yours is you wanted to move past Portobello Road. You wanted to move past the one-on-one with people and to scale your business, to reach more people, to help those people reach more people and so on. And that requires you to actually use online marketing and social media and the digital space to essentially sell an offline activity. Yeah. <laughs> now, how do you go about doing that? How, how does your brain get around that idea? Well, I think f- for me, I mean, the thing I've always thought is, you know, we're not anti-digital as a brand or a business. We're all, you know, we all think that the benefits that digital has has provided have been immense in many ways. But we don't think that it should support supplant or replace certain things such as the art of writing and and note-taking. And actually, in some ways, therefore, digital is an amazing tool 
for enabling us to reach people. And the majority of our marketing is digital. We don't have one physical store. We can sell to over a million customers worldwide via our website. So we're using the power of technology to almost catalyze this this analog revolution. Yeah, and I have to say your website is so easy to use because even though it's this digitized thing, uh, you make it really easy to personalize things and make it feel like uniquely the user's own vision, um, which I, I think is unusual for a lot of you know online experiences. A lot of online experiences like size small or size large, or <laughs> you know I'll take a five pack or a ten pack. But what you're doing on your website is something very different that still feels intimate in a way. Yeah, and I think that's a really great example of where we're harnessing the power of digital and technology to deliver an even better analog experience. So, you know, through our website, you can personalize your product, whether that's your notebook or your diary or your cards. You can personalize that with your name, your monogram, or whatever you want that to be. So we're using, and that's only possible through technology. It's through the ability to to allow people to edit live on their screens. Um, And so that's kind of where there's this beautiful marriage between digital and analog, and they're kind of supporting each other in that way. Yeah, but uh, even though it all makes sense the way you're explaining it, I'm wondering, was this a hard sell for investors? Did you have to push hard to convince them to get into the market of stationery? Yes. The majority, <laughs> it's, 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 it's not exactly the first thing the VCs and the investors out there think of when you're about to pitch Uh, to them. And actually, in some ways, that's the fun of it, because I I love the fact that this is a overlooked segment, um, because you just watch people's eyes grow when you show them the size of it and the size of this market. This is a multi-billion dollar market. And actually, the reason behind that uh, is that most, the majority of the state of stationary customers are actually women. And sadly, as I think is well documented, the majority of the investor landscape has been male. And so you get this element where actually you've got, you know, effectively men in a room going, hang on a second, who, who's buying diaries and, and planners? And, um, and half the time, you know, it's, it's a day later when they've spoken to their partners or their wives and they go, hang on a sec, I, I get it. This is a huge market. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Now, you've been in this for quite a while now, uh, since 2015. And Since 2015, the world has changed a lot. Just the last year alone, I'm curious, what effect has COVID-19 had on your business? Yeah, it's it's been a bizarre year. And I think things have moved in ways that have been unexpected and in other ways that perhaps in hindsight are expected. Overall, the impact has been a positive one for the business by way of our growth. And that's really because people have been forced to move and look online. And stationery is a market which is big, but it's also predominantly been offline for the majority of the time. About 90% of stationery, whether that's your notebooks, your diaries, have traditionally been bought in stores. And COVID has obviously forced people to move online. So we've seen this big wave of online adoption that has certainly driven uh, growth for us. It's not all been rosy. There's been parts of our business that hasn't fared as well. We we, we sell wedding stationery as well. Mm. And obviously weddings weddings have not been uh, positively impacted by COVID. And mo- most of them have, obviously all of them have been postponed. So, but overall, it's been, a, it's, been a, it's been a big boost to our growth. 
Yeah, I've definitely received more greeting cards over the past year, postcards, um, other handwritten items. And why do you think that we're all doing that more now? I think it's forced us to slow down to a degree. We are all not rushing around, commuting, thinking about what ne- what meeting to go to next. We've been given back some time. And writing and stationery thrives with time. It requires time. It is not the quickest way of saying thank you. The quickest way of thank you is still to send a message uh, by, by text. So actually giving people that time has made people slow down. You know, when you send a text message, your text message looks no different to another person's text message. When you write a note, you're, you're part of that note. Your handwriting's there. You can see the way that ink's been put onto the, onto the surface. You can see how fast the person's written it, um, how fluid it is. So you, there's an element of the person in it. And I think that yearning for connection has led people to write more and actually appreciate it. You mentioned earlier that you occasionally will write thank you cards to your clients and so on. Do you ever give other material items to folks, like flowers or a little gift or a meal or anything like that as well? Yeah, I think so. And I think I think there the, the the key is in it being thoughtful, considerate, but also modest. I don't really uh, appreciate if I get a gift that's clearly intended to show monetary value as opposed to actual thought. So you know when we when we you know, sometimes give gifts to our employees, whether it's for something they've done well or because they're leaving us, we think about what it is about them that we want to, we want to give to. You know, we, we used to have a fantastic member of our team who was a formidable oil artist. And, you know, we, we bought for him a huge set of oil paints so that he could continue with that, with that passion. And I think that means a lot more than maybe some of the more tick box gifts, such as flowers or chocolates, Um, But not saying I wouldn't appreciate the flowers now and again. (laughs) I think, you know, people recognize when a gift has actually had consideration and thought and time going into it. And I I go back to that element of time. It is the most precious resource. So when people see that time has gone into it, that's because you've written a note or you've spent a lot of time researching and working out what is the right, what is a gift that that person will really appreciate, then they they will remember that. And I think that that will result in a, in a, in a longer-lasting relationship. Mm. Do you have any tips for people in other businesses who maybe want to make a gesture that's meaningful but still is professional? Because that's kind of a fine line to walk for some folks. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it is a fine line. And I think, I think not overthinking it is my first advice. I think if you um, not going overboard... I go back to that element of modesty. I think that is important. I think there is a risk that, you know, especially if you are trying to entertain or trying to win a client, you you go overboard. So, so being honest, being yourself, um, not overthinking it, I think would be the, the, my main advice. I think you just touched on something very important for a lot of us out there. It doesn't have to be arduous. A gift doesn't require hours of planning. Absolutely. And writing a note doesn't have to be hard. It can just be a sentence or two that can make somebody's day better. Yeah, and, and that's my advice when I, you know, people talk to me about the art of letter writing. And I always go back and say, I really don't like calling it that. Because yes, there is an art. And yes, there have been authors and writers who have penned some of the most beautiful letters that are art. 
But not everyone needs to do that. Not even everyone needs to needs to aspire to writing a beautiful piece of prose. In fact, what's more beautiful is the honesty in it. So actually not thinking about it, just putting pen to paper, making mistakes, scratching them out. There's something that's so beautiful about reading a note and seeing people's thought processes happening because they're scratching a word out and they're replacing it with a different word. Just doing a lot of that is so much more honest and beautiful than trying to write some you know, beautiful, lavish letter that, uh, that uh, it feels a little bit less organic. Mm. Well, Timur, thank you. This has been so great. You're making me want to go write a note to a friend right now. Thank you so much, Kristen. This has been a real pleasure. In each episode of The Relentless, I talk with entrepreneurs who are putting the principles we're discussing into practice. They're putting customers at the center of their business, and they're going to share their top tips for helping you do the same. Tamor started his company to make personal communication more meaningful. My next guest is focused on making meaningful connections with his wider community. We are trying to become the community expert by telling other local businesses stories and local community happenings through video and social media. That's Rhett Harmon. He's a real estate entrepreneur in Carrollton, Georgia, west of Atlanta. Rhett calls himself a community connector, and he's always coming up with ways to engage with people, even if it doesn't have a direct tie to his business. Rhett, thank you so much for joining us today on The Relentless. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm excited to be here. Let's talk about this YouTube channel you have. It is fantastic. It has hundreds of videos. It makes me think I need to be starting a YouTube channel, too. Can you tell us how this came about? Sure. So uh, when we started our brokerage six years ago, we hired a video content creator. And uh, one full day a month, we shoot video of our local community. We basically highlight our community through, uh, through these little interviews. And we put those out there on the channel called Random to Real Estate. And that basically is all the random things that are going on in our community, in our lives, our interests, whatever it is. We could then, you know, highlight those and put them back on a uh, platform that we we're able to then generate, hopefully, real estate business uh, in some form or fashion. This could work for any industry, regardless of what you're in. Take the random things you do, uh, make videos around that, highlight others, and, uh, you know, have fun with it. It's amazing when I think about how the rule of real estate is what we're always told is it's location, location, location. But so much of what makes a location what it is, is the people. And you are shining a light on that through your videos. You really get to know the people who make this location magical or livable or fun or where people can make memories or raise their families. So I think there's something very special about how you're trying to focus your videos. And there's such a wide variety. Can we talk about some of the ones that were most fun for you to make? Sure, sure. We just kind of find something, try to be in the moment, I guess. We're doing something around St. Patrick's Day. A friend of mine owns a local pub. So we, we're, we we shot the video there and I hired the guy that plays the bagpipes and get him to do a little history about how it all works, where it came from. That was a really fun shoot. Um, we, we did one, uh, sometimes I get surprised with stuff a little bit. We, we were doing one for a local business a few years ago and uh, actually our managing broker, Sandy, had, uh, she's really into yoga and she said, you need to come do a video for this yoga studio. So we did and I thought that she was gonna be in the video. Well, I get there and they give me a tank top and a headband and say, you're in the video. So uh, I got a chance to do um, yoga. You are a very natural yogi. You're doing a great job. You're balancing. Did you say yogi? Yogi. That's what we call people who do yoga. 
so that that one was a lot of fun. And uh, gosh, there's so many. It just it's amazing to see. You know, I've lived in this community. I've been selling real estate for over 20 years, and uh, you think you know all the, the the things that are here and the people that are here. And it just amazes me to always find something unique and different and amazing that's that's generated and created here. Um, and uh, that's the that's the best part about it for me. It's just always getting to help someone else tell their story in a slightly different way. That's what keeps people coming back. Now, some of these videos, though, I mean, the the yoga video you just mentioned, the bagpiping one, some of these videos uh, seem like they'd be really time-consuming to make. How much time are you giving each week to making these videos? Sure. So typically for the what we do for the brokerage is one full day a month that we shoot all the content. So it's it's the most exhausting work day of the month. We get together, shoot all the content, and we try to produce anywhere from four to eight, ten videos every month. So it's it's a lot. There's a good bit of time that goes into the video. And uh, you know, anyone can do this and you start start wherever, but you know, a lot of the things that we do that even some of the most successful videos, you know, are shot on the phone. Consistency is the biggest thing because you've got to stick with a plan. Uh, to make it all work. We were over two years into it before I realized that it was actually starting to pay off. Well, when you say pay off, um, uh, what do you mean? I mean, because is there a real return on investment when you're putting this much work into this? Uh, I guess the payoff is just just knowing that um, people really appreciate it and you know come up to you and tell you, thank you for sharing that story. We were able to connect with this person. And you know, being a community connector is kind of one of my, my goals. Uh, and I think by by doing this on a consistent basis, that's when I, I really start realizing the real payoff and I can see that other relationships are created through some of the efforts that, that, we've, uh, that we've been working on. And that's, that's the real reward. Mm, that's really generous of you to approach everything that way. And I got to say your generosity, it's hard not to see in other areas too, because you're not just making videos for yourself and for your brokerage. You're also making videos for other folks in the community too. Can you tell us the story of the request you got from the gymnastics studio, for example? Absolutely. This was a really, really cool scenario. So a friend of mine with the uh, University of West Georgia with, she was a cheerleader there, and then she was the director of this gym at the time. And she said, I want to do a video. I was like, okay, great. She said, but, you know, it'd be great to do one for our gym, but I really want to do one for someone that works here. And he needed a kidney, young 20s, very much full of life. At the same time, you could just tell on his face that like he was, it was draining him having to go through all this. And uh, he was on the transplant list, never had been an exact match. He had kind of a, a rare blood type of what it was, looking for what, what he had. So we did a video about him just talking, talking about, you know, basically his request for a kidney. We did some live videos, tons of shares, put it on YouTube, gave his parents something that they could put out there. Basically just leverage our audience is what we did. And I don't know if it was through that or, or what it was from, but uh, someone... Uh, was made aware of this on the other side of the state. She was kind of tied into the cheerleading gymnastics stuff as well. She just felt a call and said, I'm, I'm a match for him. She went and got tested. She found out she was a match. Um, so we gave the information for his doctor on there and, uh, you know, came around uh, on Valentine's Day. I remember she sent him a video and uh, she said, I, you know, I'm a match. I'm going to give you one of my kidneys for Valentine's Day. So it was really neat. That was when they kind of announced that. And uh, I ran into him. My daughter does, you know, cheer and gymnastics and stuff. Saw him at a meet um, two Fridays ago. He just passed his two-year anniversary since the uh, actually transplant. And uh, he's just doing phenomenally well, full of life, um, energy, and uh, just looks like completely, you know, a reborn person. And it's so amazing. We never know how we can impact others just by by trying to, to lend a hand one way or the other. Sometimes it's through, you know, opening up our wallets if we have the ability to do so. Sometimes it's just 
leveraging our audience, which I think that's what we did. So, you know, a share, a share, a share gets to the right person. Um, this young man had, had a really good story and we helped share it. And uh, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. That's such an incredibly moving story. Oh my gosh. You know, I know you're downplaying what role you played in it, but that that's not a minor role to share somebody's story. And no matter how big or small or important the story, we're doing a real service to our community when we're saying, your voice matters, your story matters, you're a part of my business, you're a part of my neighborhood. Do you have any advice for other entrepreneurs who might want to make connections in their community, but they just don't even know where to start? Absolutely. So often, you know, people may move to an area that they're not familiar with, and their agent is kind of their their tour guide of initially about neighborhoods or whatever it is, learning about schools, things like that. And then after the transaction, they're going to call you back about, hey, who do I use for different things? So being able to connect people further and, and be able to plug them in, make recommendations to them. Hey, you might be a good fit for this civic club or group or whatever over here and make that introduction. And, you know, connecting people to each other, I think really makes them feel more part of a community. And I think the more that we can do that, and there's no cost in doing so, but, uh, we, um, and I, it's a really simple step that I do that maybe is a takeaway for people is anytime I save a person's name in my phone, even if they're not a business, I always try to make a little comment under there, really interested in you know, charity work or interested in whatever it is, or they work in the field of whatever. So that way we can always find them later if we're thinking about who was that person that I knew that did this. So that seems to work very well for me. And, uh, and I think at the end of the day, people remember who connected somebody together. Mm. And when you're making meaningful gestures like that, do you actually find that there's a return on investment for that time and that heart that you're putting into things? I think there is. And, uh, you know, it, a lot of times just being small, like that we just the postcards quarterly we send to people, just letting them know we're thinking about them, you know, things like that. And I think it's far more important to have a solid follow-up plan for all of your past clients. And uh, like I said, mine is, is very simple. It's a quarterly postcard. We always try to make it, always tell people it's five seconds of fun before you, you know, toss it. But it gives that uh, reminder that, hey, we're in real estate, we're human as well, and we're here to help you if you need anything. There may be a small call to action from time to time on there, uh, but it's it's not buy or sell a home with me. It may be go check this out because this is what's going on. You know, when I think about getting cards in the mail from people who know who I am and it doesn't just feel like a mass emailing, it gives me that special feeling of like, oh, somebody remembers me. Somebody's thinking about me. And in your case, the way you're doing it, it's not just to do the hard sell. It's like, oh, enjoy your community. Look at all these wonderful things that are here. And you're a part of the community too, and I'm seeing you. So what you're doing is such a thoughtful gesture there. It really is. And, and, the, and it only pays with consistency. So if anyone wants to do this, you've got to plan on doing it over and over and over. So uh, it may just be once a year you do something, but if you can reach out to your clients on a semi-regular basis, you know, in some kind of organized, consistent format, it it pays mega dividends over the years, but it takes several years to really see what it's going to be. You know, you've got to be in front of them at the right time when they're ready to make that decision. So if you did a good job for them before and you consistently keep in touch with them, uh, that's a huge thing. You know, and I don't try to just cram sales down people's throats, but at the same time, it's, it's about having fun, being out there, and uh, if you do enough things for the, the right reasons, everything's gonna, gonna fall in play as it should be. Oh, you're wonderful. This, this has been so great, Red. Thank you so much for joining The Relentless. Kristen, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. The Relentless is produced by Slate Studios in partnership with Century 21 Real Estate. 
you can find out more about the guests you heard in today's show and discover more great material from our Century 21 partners at slate.com slash relentless. I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thanks so much for listening. And please join us next time. All rights reserved. Nothing herein is intended to create an employment relationship. Century 21 Real Estate LLC fully supports the principles of the Fair Housing Act and the Equal Opportunity Act. Each office is independently owned and operated. This material may contain suggestions and best practices that you may use at your discretion.